What a beautiful day this Lord's Day has turned out to be. Um, before I pray, I would like to share something with you that always causes me to laugh, and I don't want to laugh after I get started. Billy Graham and his wife, when they first began, lived in Wheaton, and um, because he was away from home so much, they thought it would be advisable for uh, Ruth and the children to move to Montreat, North Carolina, where uh, uh, Ruth's parents lived. So they moved down there, and after a while they saw that they had no privacy because people were so caught up with the the popularity of uh, Billy Graham by this time that uh, they decided that they were going to build a home up in the mountains. There was a plateau there off of Montreat. They still had access to the village, but uh, they built a home up there on a plateau in the mountains, and they built a home there, and they thought it'd be nice for the children to have uh, some sheep, because sheep are talked of quite often in the Bible. And so they built uh, this fence, and they put in four sheep. And they thought, oh, everything is just nice. Well, you know how sheep are. You give them the slightest opening, and they'll get out. And that's what they did. They got out. And they, uh, it took them about, um, as I remember, and how I know this, I have a lot of sermons by Billy Graham, and on the sermon of the lost sheep, he talks about this illustration. And he said, uh, after they got out, took the, all the residents of uh, Montreal were trying to look for these sheep. And so finally they got them back, I think after about four days, and they closed up the hole. But they had another visitor there. There was a goat. And uh, this goat was wild, untamed, and he just ate up everything, the flowers that Ruth had planted, and he was very destructive. And uh, they didn't want to kill him because uh, to eat him for meat because they didn't think the meat would taste any good. He smelled bad. In fact, uh, uh, male goats have a smell about them that uh, uh, is not that pleasant. So they, they called his name Gracho. And so uh, they thought, well, the only thing we can do is take him away from here to the maybe a, a mountain, maybe three, four miles away. So he got him in a jeep. They took him, uh, took this old girl, they called Gracho, I think that was his name. And uh, they deposited him about three, four miles away from the home. And so they went there, they said, oh, finally get rid of him. Well, they took, uh, they done some shopping for two, three, uh, two hours or so, and they came back, and there was Gracho. If you'd heard Billy Graham tell it, you'd have to laugh too. <laughs> and the, the whole audience just roared. <laughs> Gracho, there he is. What, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know what they did for him. He went on to his message. But there is a truth there that we could share, and that is, it's like sin. It always keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And the same way of temptation, it keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Now I can pray. Almighty, eternal God, thy word is precious. It brings light into our souls. And our Father, 
with the return of the Lord drawing near. We just pray that as your word is taught this morning, this afternoon, that you enable you to know how unworthy I am, how frail I am. And please help this old sinner that you save my grace to teach this lesson to prepare for the return of our blessed Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 25, I will read. I would like to say that the two uh, parables before that, you see, what is important about this parable is it was on the third day of Passion Week. That means that the cross was just several days uh, in the future. And these three parables that were out on the same day, the parable, uh, well, let me read our text first and then I'll, uh, I'll get... Follow me as I start at verse 31. This is the beginning of the third parable. And then we'll uh, go from there. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me to meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungry, unhungered, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous 
into a life eternal. These three parables that speak, I, you remember the good job that uh, Brother Ike did on the uh, parable of the uh, ten virgins? Well, those ten virgins, five had oil, five didn't. And to the five virgins that did have oil, the door was shut. And those are very gripping words. The door shut, no more entrance to the kingdom. But what was the main thought there in that parable? It means get ready to meet the king and be sure you have the spirit of God because if you have not the spirit of God, you're not going to see the king or his kingdom. That's what the main thrust of that was. And then in the next parable, it speaks about uh, giving an account. Before the king went back to the far country, to heaven, he gave, it says in a parable, talents. Talents to be used for the king while he was back in the far country, back in heaven. And then it says when he came back, then they had to give an account. And you know how those three gave account to they made use of the five, one made use of the five talents, one made use of the two talents, and one made use of nothing. So what do we learn from that? That means that we all have a divine appointment to stand before the king. Second Corinthians 5, 9, 10 says, we are to labor to be accepted of the Lord, for we shall all appear before his beam of seat and give an account of the things that we've done, whether good or bad. And the one who had nothing Never had he had a head understanding of the scripture, but no heart, because he did nothing with what was given to him. That's why that man with the one talent, like many who hear the gospel, never respond to the gospel. But why this is so good? It's just think of the third day of the Passion Week, before which he was going to be offered up for us all. In other words, in a couple of days, he would bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And what I want to do later on. I want to. Uh, I want to go around quickly. Each one of you. I want each one of you give some aspect of his terrible suffering on that uh, on uh, on that uh, day. By the way, each one of us has a different way of expressing a, a parable. The cheapest or the most common is it's a heavenly. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But I like this uh, expression. It's a putting of two things alongside each other. For comparison, the one in everyday life and the other is spiritual. They're put together for comparison. But there is unity between the visible world of nature and the invisible world of the spiritual. You see that in this parable. And we already discussed the setting and Dear ones, I, as Billy Graham got older, it's amazing how much he used notes. Your mind cannot absorb. You have to constantly be looking at notes. And the older you get, especially at 92, sometimes you don't see what you want to see. So you have to bear with me when I stumble. And but what I'd like to do, because it's so close to that day when he bore our sins in his own body. I would like, because it's so close to when he was given up for us all, I'd like each one of you to just, just one thing about what he suffered. Just one thing. Quick, come on. 
Yes, just just spell it out. Separation from the Father. Something else. Yes. What? Crucified by his own creatures, right? But I'm thinking here about the way he, his face was beat more than any man. That's how much they beat him. He was scourged. He, had to, he put a crown of thorns in his head and they beat upon the crown of thorns. They mocked him. They, uh, I, for this old son of Satan, I'd love to go back over how much he suffered for my, for me, my sins. And that's the reason I like to uh, get a grip when it says, the reason I'm talking this way, because it, it was a third day, just a couple of days away, and he'd be going through what we're talking about. That's the reason I wanted to just give some time to it. I find the more I dwell upon his suffering and the cross for me, the more I want to be sure that I honor him with my life. I think we've heard it so many times that it gets dull. We don't, in other words, we're not as sensitive to it because we've heard it so many times. But what it should do, it should quicken us again to what he suffered, but he's coming back. He's coming back. Look at verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in the glory of all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of the glory. He's coming in the glory of the Father, and he's coming on the glory of his throne. Can you picture what that will be like? The glory of the Father. You know, in Exodus 31, verse 33, 20, no man could look upon, him, could look upon God because of his brilliance. But here, all nations will be gathered together. Can you imagine what an assembly that would be? You, uh, the Bible says in the Old Testament <clears throat> that when they wanted the people to gather together, they'd sound the silver trumpet, and only the children of Israel heard that trumpet. But when this trumpet sounds, everyone will hear it. The whole world will hear the sound of that trumpet, and they'll gather together at the judgment seat of the king. How awesome that must be. When you get to be my age, you think an awful lot about that time. You really think, what would it be like to stand before the king, visibly see him? We read about him in the scripture, but to see him face to face, and then to either hear him pronounce, enter into the kingdom prepared for you by the Father many years ago, or depart from me, for you never, you never, I never knew you. There is, a, there is a passage in Matthew 7 that I think we ought to, because we're talking about the coming again of our Lord. Listen to these words. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of, the, of, of, of God, but they who do the will of the Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I've done this. I've, yes, I've cast out demons. I've prophesied. I've done many good things. And then the Lord will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who work lawlessness. You've heard me say this many times. Unless we have surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we don't know him as Savior and Lord. He will not save anybody who will not own him as Lord. And this verse proved what I just said. But now this parable that, uh, in other words, this is so important that he gave his other two parables first, which were done very well by Brother Eric. Who did the parable on the uh, talents? Was anyone here? 
Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, you can just see the emphasis that the Lord wants to impart to us before he goes to the cross. He's soon going to the cross, and he wants to impart uh, uh, to each one of us who reads with understanding that he coming back is real, and what will happen when he comes back. This will be the final separation. Notice who's going to come with him. The holy angels. The Bible says, uh, and not only the holy angels, but 10,000 of these saints. Just think of that, what that'll be. And we think of the activity of the angels. Um, Just think of the activity of angels as the kingdom of God was uh, uh, developing. uh, As the angel appeared to Zacharias to announce the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, The angel appeared to Mary to announce the birth of the Christ child. As the angel appeared to Joseph, okay, take care of him. This, she, she's with child of the Holy Spirit. And then how the Holy Spirit came to Joseph and Mary after Christ's child was born to go down to Egypt to escape Herod's wrath. And then uh, when uh, um, and then when the angel appeared to uh, in Matthew 5, 19 when the angel, when, when they were preaching the gospel there in the courts, uh, and uh, the, the angel opened the door. When the angel delivered Peter from prison, when the angel smote, uh, heard there in Matthew chapter, uh, I mean, in um, Acts chapter five, uh, 7, ver- 12, verse 12, and then all through that you see the activity of angels. But you know, dear ones, sometimes we entertain angels unaware. And we want to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let me ask you this. I would like... Uh, uh, the reason I talked about the activity of angels, I want you to see what the angels will do when they come back. When, they, and when the Lord is sitting upon the throne, I want you to see what they're going to do. I want someone to get uh, Matthew 13, 24 to 32, and someone take Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Eric, would you take the first one? And Anthony, would you take the second? Eric, take 13, 24 to 32. And uh, Anthony, uh, Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Just listen to what they're going to say. Repeat it one time, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in, the, in his field. No, no, no. Uh, Matthew tw- uh, 13, 24 to 30. No. That's Matthew 13, 24. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Here's, here's what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to see the two parables... Uh, uh, see, this parable here between the sheep and the goats, there's two other parables. Do you know what those are, two other parables that relate to what we're talking about today? The wheat and the tares? Huh? The wheat and the tares? The wheat and tares. What's the other parable? The dragnet. Remember when they put the dragnet in the scene, they brought all, all kinds the, of... The, 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 okay. Oh, like as far as the seeds fell on. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh. Okay. Well, go it, ahead. Uh, read, read, read what you're going to say. I'm sorry. 
I gotta, I gotta Google it. Just. The parable of the net? Okay, 47, okay. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's the same way with the parable of the wheat and the tares. We're either wheat or we're tares. Well, okay, in your own, uh, let me ask you this. Um, what is the evidence that we are wheat? What is the evidence that we're good fish? What's that evidence? We bring forth good fruits. We endure to the end. In other words, there's life there. And we bring forth fruit, as you just said. That's the evidence that we uh, are weak. We bring forth life. We bring forth fruit. And the same way uh, the fish, it just uh, it doesn't say the same thing there. But I want you to see the separation that's between that body and the crop of the dragon there. So that's the evidence. There, if, if there's no fruit seen in us, how do we know that we belong to the king? And that's what... Um, like in uh, Matthew 25, we were just reading, um, our fruit is that we, that we feed the hungry, that we visit the, uh, the sick, and that we, we come to the, those in prison. We clothe the naked, that we, we, give, the, we, we give drink to the thirsty. And um, it, it's when we do that that we're bearing fruits and showing that we are truly sheep and not goats. I guess what I'd like to do today is I sit up there and preach, it's different. But when I'm down here, I can't remember. <laughs> now I know what I wanted to do. You remember when these angels come back, they've got a mission. And, uh, and Anthony, I, uh, I finally found what I was looking for. I want um, um, uh, uh, Ben. I want you to get Matthew 13, 41, and uh, Anthony, Matthew 24, 31. This is, what, uh, 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 this is what the angels are going to do when they come back. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. That's the mission when they come back with the, with the, uh, angel, with the, the holy angels, with the, the, the Savior and, uh, and the glory of the Father. That's going to be their the work. And uh, be what's yours? Matthew 24 31 says, And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together the last from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. That's why I said. <laughs> um, um, 
kingdom of God over a hundred times. And just think of all the times, all the times that the, in, the, in the parables they spoke about this is the kingdom of God, this is the kingdom of God, this is the kingdom of God. Now, the time has come for entrance into that kingdom. And it's going to be those who, uh, uh, who uh, uh, the Bible describes as on the right and those who describe on the left. Let me ask you this. What do you, what, when you read that, what did you think about? What do you think about eating and drinking all that? When, says, when they said, um, when it says, I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was sick and you visited me. I was a stranger and you took me in. You know what I thought at first? What I thought at first was, like Jesus said, he that believes in me shall never hunger. He that comes to me shall never thirst. He said, when it says about the sick, he said, uh, when they were condemning him for going to uh, the, the sinners, he said, a uh, well person doesn't need a physician, only those who are sick. And so all those things, I thought it had to do with the spiritual. But this has to do with what we do. This is the proof that we show in our relationship to one another. And what's driving home here is what it says in John 13, 34, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have loved one for another, you must have loved you. And that's what this parable is all about, showing love to our brothers and sisters. That's the whole point of this. And, uh, and uh, By the way, when's the first time you should when's the, when's the first time the Lord Jesus is pictured in the Dutch? It goes back to Genesis. Can you think of it? Genesis uh, 1825. Uh, Abraham says, We know that you, the judge of all the earth, will be right. And then in Psalm 96, at the end of the chapter, Psalm 98, at the end, that he will judge in righteousness and his people with equity, his people with truth. So all, all through you see it, and then in 2 Timothy 4 1, Apostle Paul says, He will come to judge the quick and the dead. One more question. What is the assurance that when he comes to judge, that we know the Bible says, but what is that assurance? What is that assurance that, that, that he will uh, be the judge? There's a verse that gives us assurance that he's going to be the judge. What is it? Acts 17. Very good, bud. Very good. It's good. He, uh, God has fixed the day, which he has appointed the day which will judge the world in righteousness. He has given assurance to all by grace. My resurrection, that's insurance. Very good. Very good. But let's let's get back to the um, let's get back to what I said. I thought. Uh, by the way, the reason I can tell that this has to do with the body, because when I looked up all the words in the concordance, that um, they all refer to physical ministry. So how many? Uh, uh, in the Bible, did you think of any that uh, fulfilled the role of being the hungry? I was hungry, and you visited, and, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. What does that verse speaks about in uh, what it says, if I give you a, a cup of cold water, what? 
mistake all the time. Let me ask you this. Did you, you know the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 13, 2, uh, it says that we have entertained strangers all over there, that are angels? Did you ever have that experience of, 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 of ministering to a, 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 that you thought might have been an angel? But try to think. Well, let me share with you something that happened this year. It was when I used to walk two miles a day. I don't do that anymore. But I was walking about, I was about a quarter mile from home. And this a man, uh, I mean, he, he needed help. He was rather tall. And I offered him a track. Slightly, uh, he, he gladly accepted. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't ask for anything. And all of a sudden, I got a tremendous burden for him. He gave me something. And I didn't have anything. So I said, uh, I said, Lord, please keep me here till I come back. So I hurried home to get what I wanted to get him. And he's still there when I came back. And what do you think he did when I gave to him? He threw his arms around me. And I gave him a little cup. I still had it. And I didn't think anything about it at all until I went. Is it possible? I don't know that it was an angel. But I do know that, that what it says in Hebrews 13, too, that we've, uh, we've uh, entertained angels unawares. I'm sharing this with you so that we be careful that uh, we don't look um, at the, the poor people or those that you know we got think on drugs or anything like that, that we look at them with respect. Let me share this with you about that. First, let me ask you this. Why are they rich and poor? Why are they rich and poor? Proverbs 22, two, the Lord made the rich and the poor. So what is, why did he do that? He wanted to. He wanted to. Wait, yes. Amen. <laughs> Why? Why did he, why did he want What to? comes to mind is, is, is for opportunity for the rich for the rich to provide for the poor. In other words, Eric, are you saying so that he's giving us a privilege of reflecting him? Yes. And that's it right there. Yes. Right? In other words, when we come across the poor people that need, we're actually uh, uh, taking his place. You can't read this, you can't read this parable without having a different attitude for those of need. And listen to these verses here in um, uh, uh, listen to this verse here in, in 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abideth in death. And I was talking to Pastor Bob the other night, and we were talking about that's the whole basis of this, uh, uh, what the criteria for separating. It's whether we have the love of Christ or not. It's amazing. It, he it says nothing about accepting him as Savior. He, he, what he's doing, he's showing here how we belong to him by ministering to those in need like he would. What? Yeah. No, I, you can finish past the phone and then I'd like to share something. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday I received a call from a young man and he was looking for employment and 
I've always made it a practice that even if somebody can't be my client for whatever reason, I provide them with some sort of help. And in speaking with this young man, I learned that he was recently out of prison and he was looking for work. And the first thing, God put a burden on my heart to, to let this young man know that, that he's forgiven and so I was able to share the gospel with him. I prayed with him, and I was also able to refer him to a resource that I know that works with people who've been incarcerated to help them get um, employment. And I, was, I looked at my phone. I was on the phone for a half an hour with this young man, and he was just so stunned and amazed. And, you know, hearing, going over this lesson today, it just draws home for me um, because this young man is really hurting. And he made one mistake, and, you know, I let him know that it, couldn't, that it didn't have to define his life but that also that he was forgiven in Christ and that we all mess up. That's, you see, that's the love of Christ flowing through you to help this one in need. And that's what he wants to see. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. And First um, John 3, listen to this carefully. Whoso hath this world's goods and seeth have need, and shut his heart against him without compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, if we don't have the love of God, we don't have salvation. Someone said this, in a Gideon brother, I never got that. He said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I never got that. Why do you think John the Baptist, isn't an amazing thing, when John the Baptist was, what did he say? When he, when he preached repentance, what did he say? When people came to him? Behold the Lamb of God. Yeah, but, he, you know, but what did he say about the people? What should I do? What did he say? In other words, what he's saying is some, doing something like, um, uh, if you have two coats, give one to somebody else. In other words, God is more mindful of those who are uh, in need than we are. And we know that sin has brought that about, but we're to have a heart of faith. Do you know one-third of the world eats regular, one-third of the world skips, and one-third of the world is, has nothing? And if there's anything that this parable does, it makes me very sensitive to be always ready to reach out and help somebody when I have an opportunity. You can't read this parable getting ready to meet the king without letting this, uh, uh, that's the whole purpose for this parable. That, that, when our Lord, when Acts 10, 38, what did he do? He went about doing good. And that's what he wants us to do. That's evidence of really came. Going about. And, the more, and, and, and I think maybe that's the reason we brought some of our influence because we don't reflect Christ as he, it doesn't matter who it was. How about, well, name some, uh, uh, Name 
How about Onesimus? What did he do? Paul was in a Magdalene prison awaiting execution. What does he do? He goes and ministers to him. What about Epaphroditus? What did he do? Paul was in prison and the church didn't give him enough. What did he do? He worked himself almost to death to help give it, provide for him. And then there's Dorcas and there's, uh, uh, there's so many enemies. But the point that I want to drive home to you is that you allow the love. You remember how Pastor Bob this morning talked about the joy? There is joy in there. Oh, there's such joy in there. I, 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 the older I get, the more I just love to give. It is a joy in it. Because you take yourself, you remember that I said, Jesus, others, and yourself? That's the key to really having joy. You take, your, you, you take your eyes off self and pass them upon this. How about the person? I love this. Yes, Amara. This parable, a lot of people have misinterpreted this parable. Some denominations have and some individuals have. And they use it for works gospel. They think if they go to the prison to minister to prisoners, they think if they feed the hungry, they are building up brownie points with God. And a lot of people read this and, and do it for the wrong motive. You're absolutely right, because I have people do that to me. But, but the point is here, we're not doing it to gain value points. We are doing it because we belong to Christ and it takes Him. We're interested in reflecting the honor of Christ and glorifying Him. And that's where I think we've lost some of the influence upon, uh, the church has lost some of the influence because we become like the world. We become man-centered in the country instead of Christ-centered. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. And that's why Jesus said what I said in John 13, 34, and 35. Dear ones, I don't know when a divine appointment will be, but you have to believe that at my age, I think about what I want. When I'm going to stand before the king and give him a count of my life, or when you see all, just think of all the nations. I can only tell you that I really 
And I'm not saying this to impress you. But I really have the joy of working. I know I'm counting for the kingdom of God. Every day I, I, I like to be in each day of thinking, how can I count for the kingdom of God? And every day I go out, and every day I have a chance to meet people along the way. Some people, some people are really glad to get the facts. Others not. And, uh, but what you have a chance to do is, just like you said, That is precious when you see somebody in need. I remember, since we're just talking, I remember one time, each one of you has different times in the shed, we're just talking. But I, I think at one time, I was on route, uh, Daisy was with me, and uh, I saw this guy stranded uh, along the highway on a panel truck. And, uh, and I, and it, 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 it just fits in with what we're saying. I mean, I'd like to hear testimonies from you, too. And I thought, this guy's in trouble. So I took Daisy home, and I came back, and I stopped by. I said, can I help you? And he said, well, I said, i got to get to work at 9 o'clock. And he said, my van broke down. And I said, well, where do you work? And he says, well, he told me where. I said, well, call a relative, tell him what happened and get in the car, and I'll take it. And so along the way, he was thanking me profusely. And I said, yes, I did it for you, but I did it for the Lord. You see, when you can't have a chance to help somebody, that's the joy of living. That's the ticket from an old man. That's the joy of living. When you, when you see those in the left, uh, uh, when you see those in the right, you won't be in that number because the love of Christ is strange. Why does Paul, Paul say, the love of Christ is strange to me that I do what I speak this way? And so I just, uh, I just want to encourage you. That was the full gist uh, of, I, I'd like you to share some of your own personal testimony because that encourages each other. Yes, I have a question for you. So in, in the giving, with the theme of giving, um, do you find a division between giving to beloved family members, you know, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, born again family, or and someone who's not. I mean, how where do you go with that? Well, that's a good question. But the only thing I can say to that is when you'll know, you'll know when to do that. And the Spirit of God in you will let you know that. And that, in other words, I don't think it's a cut and dry matter. It depends upon the situation. In other words, if you see that you can help somebody. Regardless of what he is, give him help. He still bears the image of God. Always keep that in mind. If the, he is part of the human race, but the image of God is upon him, whether he's saved or unsaved. So, on that team, sorry. I'm a little bit confused. Um, I, when I see a homeless person, yeah. can I help them? I do. I can help them financially, but commonly what I'll do is give them a gospel track instead. And I... I, I trouble discerning if they would misuse the money and so what are your thoughts on that? saying is, you're worth something. You're worth more. Yes, I want you to read the gospel, 
but you, you, as a person, you're worth something, so you always include that. With, 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 you know. Now, you don't, if you don't give a, a, a whole lot of money, but you give something that lets you know that you regard him as a person. In other words, what I'm trying to communicate, we regard people as a human being, that they are worth something, and they're worth to receive something from you. Because I take notes when I do that. I can tell by their uh, uh, expression that they uh, realize, I can tell by the way they look at you that they, they were blessed because you thought something of them. Not to just give them the truck, but to give them something for them. But I like what you said, Marva. That was so good. Some people think that they can earn their way. No, no, that's not the point of this time together. The point of this time is we have the heart of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ, to realize others in need and to reach out to them when God presents it. I've never, never regretted I've never, never regretted I remember one time some people came to me and please don't take this as the wrong way. But as early in the, uh, in the I was early, uh, I just saved about a year. And somebody put a B on me about they had a desperate need. And they said, but for this man's soul, you have to help him out. And I had just received, we, and we never, and, and this is what I worked at, we never, uh, uh, we'd, we'd always keep the pay about the same scale, but then we'd always do a bonus at the end. And I just got my bonus about $2,000, and that's what they asked for. And they said, we'll pay, we'll pay it back. Well, they never did. But, but it didn't bother me a bit, because I gave it because I, I wanted to. In other words, what I'm trying to communicate to you, but you give doesn't matter. Uh, you gave it from the see. The Lord knows how we give and why we give, and that's what I want to encourage you to give as a heart touched by. The, think all the times the Lord gave to you and you didn't respond the way you should have. Think of that. I'm going to share a story. Recently happened. Um, I was kind of beaten up and ridiculed by what happened. But I do have a heart to give, and sometimes it's too much. So I was in a parking lot going into a store, and this band, this uh, like Jeep Wagoneer pulled over, and everyone in it looked so sad and starving, and it was a child sleeping, and the, the driver said, here, buddy, we need to raise some money. We just lost our, our home, and we don't have a place to stay, and we just need gas to get to Chicago. And it turned into he gave me a gold ring, and I'm like, no, well, wait, I went, I got kind of conned. And um, they, they started giving me all this gold, and I gave them a little more to help them on their journey to Chicago. And I, and I found out later that the gold, I wasn't doing it for the gold, but the gold wound up being fake. But at least they, I did give them the gospel, and they did get extra money. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's just a suggestion because uh, I mean I've, um, you know, I've heard about a lot of people, especially Christians, that are reluctant to give in circumstances like that because they they don't want to give money for many reasons. They're worried about what it might be used for. But uh, you can always prepare to give. Um, I never had the opportunity to do this, but a wonderful thing by um, uh, somebody who worked for Living Water. I forget what his name was. Um, Mark Spence, I think. He he said that when he when he goes drives around in L.A., he always has a bag in his car that has a blanket, 
It has like a power bar, bottled water, small Bible, and stuff like that, and, and gospel tracts. And he always has that ready in case somebody comes up to him and says he has a need. He has it that he can give. He doesn't have to give them cash. He can give them things that they can actually use. So if they have a genuine need, that should serve just about all their needs. If you don't want to give people money, if you want to make sure somebody has food, if they need food, you can have, you can keep a, a McDonald's gift card on you or something like that, something that can only be used for food or something like that. No, um, something like that. I, I'm not saying you're really good foolish, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that when you give, give in the name, always give in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that way, he can put his, uh, whatever, uh, he can, it's something what he wants to do with it. Yes. I think the Lord is concerned with the posture of our heart behind the giving. So when we give, give it to the person, whether it's a, a prayer or something um, that's material in the world, give it, pray for them, and, and, and give it to God and let that go. Don't worry about what they're going to do with it because at the end of the day and of their life, God's going to deal with them accordingly. So we give it and we just... You know, don't don't worry. Oh, because I've even me, I'm guilty of saying, well, they might have more <laughs> money than me. But, you know, are they paying taxes on it? I'm like, wait a minute. None of that's important. Don't even worry about that. Give it to them because you, you're supposed to. It's your, it's your part of your charge of stewardship on this work on this earth as a believer. And and don't worry about that kind of stuff. Right. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. So don't worry about what they're going to do with it. I have, I have two testimonies um, or stories about that, um, relating to that. Uh, I used to evangelize in Newburgh, New York. It's a, like, a large homeless population over there. And uh, it was wintertime, and I was evangelizing there. And this one guy, he was, he used, we used to evangelize in front of his laundromat, and he was always there, and we would preach the gospel to him. And this one time, we brought a bag of like gloves, socks, hats, just to give them out to the homeless. And this one guy, he was like in the bags, just taking a bunch of stuff because he was like, you know, he don't, he doesn't have anything, and he was just taking them. He was taking gloves, socks, and hats, and then he went on his way. The next week, we went over there, um, the same spot, and we saw the same guy. He was in the laundromat, and like he had all the things that we gave it to him, that we gave him. He had it on the counter in the laundromat. And he was selling them for $5 a piece. Um, and so it was, when that happened, I was really discouraged. We were discouraged. It was like, oh, we made a mistake. But we continued to preach the gospel to him. And like months later, he came to Christ. Yeah. yeah. Right. Said, I met you doing homeless ministry years ago. And uh, I'll never forget what you said to me back then. But one, it brought to mind something that happened at that homeless ministry. And it's when I, I, I realized there were so many people there that were, there were, so many people go to that spot with trucks and giving out food and giving out food. 
And the people coming and getting food were, were really, really obese. And I remember, what did the Lord said? When I was hungry, you fed me. There's not too many hungry people in this country. I could tell you, I, I've, been to, uh, I've been to Mexico. I remember walking the streets uh, down there in Nogales, and you see hungry people. Hungry people are really skinny. They're skin and bones, and they're starving. And, um, you know, I think we, we have a lot in this country. We have an abundance. And I'm not trying to discourage from doing outreach to people that are struggling. What I'm just saying is, there's people in this world, like you said, a third of the people are literally starving to death. In Haney, they're getting mud and baking cakes made out of mud because they're so hungry. And um, I, I, I think we have to be conscious of that as Christians, how we could use, be good stewards of what we, we have and give to people who are really hungry. About uh, last week, I went to uh, a conference in New York City. It was on social justice and critical race theory. And uh, they said something I found very helpful. They said, uh, the uh, loving God and loving neighbor is not the gospel. The gospel is the preaching the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the fruit of the gospel is loving God and loving our neighbor. So I, I found that distinction very helpful because the, uh, those who... Uh, the, the, those who practice social, the, spread the social, will use that text to uh, blur what the gospel really is. And with that, I just want to share uh, um, an opportunity. One time, uh, me and Tony and a couple other brothers, we was going down to, uh, to do, do some abortion ministry. While we was on the highway, a car in front of us, um, just for some reason, the car went that way and the hydroplane then hit the side guardrail and completely totaled. So we parked the car, got out to make sure he was physically okay. He had a couple of wounds on his hand, so I had a first aid kit. We binded up his uh, wound, gave him water, made him sat in our car. And uh, I thought, what better time to share the gospel because he almost died. So we shared the gospel with that young man. But um, it goes to show you, it's just one of the ways we can love our neighbor. But I think the greatest way is uh, sharing the gospel. I'm sure that it was already spoken. I know I've been in and out. A couple of things have been going on. But when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. And, uh, yeah, char charity has to begin in the house of God. Pastor Paul, I was going to share. A few weeks ago, I shared with you about someone who I've been ministering to and expressed some concern about whether I was doing the right thing. And you so aptly reminded me 
that the word of God never returns void. And I think when we share with others, we, you know, even like what happened with Rick and stuff, we just don't know how God is using us. And, you know, some, some I mean, Christ sat at the table with um, tax collectors and sinners and, you know, this is exactly who the Lord came from, came for. And so, I mean, yes, we need to use wisdom. But I think the most important thing a church that I had attended in Brooklyn, there was a homeless man that was found dead on the steps of the church. And at the time, the minister of the church had shared that even if you don't have money or food or anything to give, it's so important to look that person in the eyes. Exactly. And so, you know, you just don't know, even with those people who were deceitful, you don't know. You may have touched one person's heart that day. What I find is our confidence reveals a lot who we are. And if we have confidence, people can gauge whether you know, we care about them or we have some feeling for them. And I find that it's like, well, I greet them with a smile. And I'm not trying to impress you into what I do, but I'm trying to make us see that that passage, uh, see, for a long time, I thought that passage there uh, regarding uh, as long as you've done these I thought that was, I spiritualized that. But when I went to the concordance, I said, no, it's really not it. <laughs> and that changed my, yeah. that's really I can speak with this. Amen. Yes. Pastor Paul, um, I wanted to highlight a point that you made earlier about how, uh, like, in the way that God gives to us, he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So if God, in his abundance of riches, gives to People whom he, he knows, he does, like in our case, we may not know what they're going to do with it. He knows that the people that he's going to be giving to are going to be unthankful. And he gives anyway. And if I could piggyback off that, amen, my brother, amen to that. Um, kind of a combination of what Ben said, um, Diana? Dana, sorry. Dana and, and, um, and brother uh, Darnell, amen, my brother. Um, and, and remembering um, that such giving, regardless of what they may do with it, is opportunity for the conviction of sin and thus repentance. As we saw in, in Darnell's story that sometime after, and who knows if the Lord convicted him of that scam. You know what I'm saying? So that's also an opportunity for repentance. And just leave, leave them to the Lord. It is the posture of heart. Amen. 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 Well, listen, uh, thank you for participating in it. Uh, I would only say this, from the old sinner's saved by grace, I'm just thankful for all the years God has given to me, and uh, you just realize how much you have to love me. Uh, I, I just 
of all kinds of kindness to me. I'm just very grateful for what we do. But I just want to encourage you, each one of us that we have a divine appointment not to be condemned, but to be either. See, I think when we stand before the king, there will be tears. Uh, 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 and the reason I say that, in 1 John 2 28, it says, Abide in me, so that when you do appear, he does appear, we will not be ashamed. And I'm very close with this, and it's a knowledge that it's true. Uh, it, it doesn't reflect on me very well, but I'll share what happened. My last year, my first pastor, I was in a position where I had to, uh, a, a couple were attending, and I knew, I knew that uh, I couldn't marry them. The one was single, but the other was the work in my business because I wanted to see the wife. There's no legal ground for that divorce. And I knew that I couldn't marry them. And so they were putting, the, uh, the, the power people were putting uh, the pressure on me uh, that uh, I'd lose credibility if I didn't marry them. And I thought, rather than do it just in our I'll, I'll resign. So that was in June, and one day to stay until October. So I stayed until October. Uh, well, no, uh, in October we had our family retreat like we always had. And then I thought, uh, uh, I had to get my resignation, they wanted me to resign the first January 1st, 1995. And so, uh, I thought, I have plenty of time to get everything in shape. And what do you think that? November 2nd, I fell off the ladder, and I was convinced that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. The reason I'm sharing that with you, I, and I, I feel that shame even today, that I don't believe that the, the, uh, it was the records of the, of the membership. I just feel shame that I didn't get that out of the way. So what I'm saying is, do not put off what you should know you should do today. And in other words, always remember, you, know when, you don't know when the Lord's going to call you home. And so only you better than you can take. Not out of fear, but out of love and the evidence for you. We're thankful for you and Betsy. And you're going to have a little fun. And Tommy can close it. We come to you in the name of your son. We uh, thank you, Lord, for Pastor Paul, for the example he is for at uh, 92, for uh, giving him the strength to prepare, to teach, to uh, for physical health. We thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, you continue to bless him as he taught us this lesson, Lord. Help us to be, uh, help us to abide in you and bear much fruit for your kingdom. Help us to to uh, think of those who are poor, those who are lowly. Help us, Lord, to walk in the good works you have prepared for us. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to honor you by our life, by our deed, by our word. We pray, Lord, as we uh, head home that you give us travel mercies. Uh, we pray all this in the master's name of your son.